0: John chapter 11 is so where we're going to be this morning and, and, and we're, going to, we're going to read this account of Jesus and his, his, his take on the death of a loved one. His take on, on what pain really is. How, how many of us have had pain in this place today? How many of us have had loss? You lost someone that was very close to you. You've had disappointment in life. We've all dealt with that. But church, I want us to take heart today because we serve a, a Savior who is powerful. His power is all-sustaining. It's what keeps us going. I'm so thankful today for that. But in John chapter 11, we're going to start with verse 30. It says, Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, and they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also had kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb, and it was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. And I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out. His hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Father, we love your word. Lord, I read this story and it gives me, it gives me chill bumps. The, the very power of your word. Lord, I, you, you were in command that day. The people missed the point of, of who you were. They, they believed you could do miracles, but they were wanting it on their time schedule. And Lord, your power was shown that day. Lord, I pray today that we would be patient. Lord, I pray today that we would take faith in you. Lord, you are supreme in all things. We thank you for your love that is spoken of in this passage. Thank you for the love of mothers today, Lord, that have been impacted by the work of redemption at the cross of Calvary. Lord, in honoring our mothers today, we, we also, we honor you. For making us people who, who can bring you glory in your most holy name. Everybody says, Amen, Amen. So, looking here in this passage, I, I see like the heart of Jesus. Don't you? You, you see a, a Jesus who, who's not just there and, and just being a God, right? He's not just being this God figure. But it says that that when that when the sister came to him, that he literally breaks down and weeps. How many of us? ever break down and weep from time to time? You know, I think uh, for guys in particular, we think, oh, it's, it's not cool to weep, Daniel. It's not very John Wayne of you to weep. <laughs> but if you've ever watched Old Yeller, no doubt, your eyes tear it up. And if your eyes did not tear up watching Old Yeller, there is something wrong with you, and you need to come to Jesus, okay? Or maybe when you were watching... Uh, when you're watching uh, the uh, the the great westerns of our time, Lonesome Dove, and the and the young Irishman falls into the river and gets bit by stakes, you remember that scene. It bothers me and it makes me cry for him. What a sad way to go. Compassion, Jesus has that that type of compassion, and, and it's deeper than a than a love for a dog, steeper <laughs> than the love for an Irishman misplaced from his nation who gets meets an untimely death. And Jesus here, he, he comes and he knows these people. You know, I mean, these are, these are people he knows, like not just as God, but since he's been on earth, God in flesh, he, he knows these people. And he knows their hearts. And he knows, check this out, he knows their pain that they're going through in that moment. We talked last week a little bit about how Jesus knows our pain. He knows what we're going through. He knows, he knows it. We, we just need to take heart in that. And in this passage, I see this beautiful picture of who Jesus is, and I see that same heart in the hearts of good godly women. In the heart of every godly woman, there's a sweet spirit of our Savior. You know, I, I, I've been blessed my whole life to be raised in church and been raised around good godly women. My, my mother's a godly woman. I've got a, a, a godly mother-in-law. My wife's a godly woman so many people in my life, and I think about that sweet spirit of the Savior that that is upon them. And I I know that that's, you know, we look at the the nature of who, who we are as people. We're not good people, are we? The Bible teaches us that there's no one that's good, but Jesus. And Jesus in the heart of a person, it makes them different. It makes them a different person. And in the heart of every godly woman is that sweet spirit of the Savior. You feel that when you when you when you when you see a godly woman who who's active in the church, or a godly woman who's active in your life, a godly woman who reaches out and loves you, redemption takes the vilest sinner and it makes them clean. It doesn't leave you partly clean, it's, it's a complete cleanliness, right? My three-year-old, yeah, he loves taking baths, but I'm glad he does. But there are days he really needs to take a bath, you know? He, his fun thing right now is to go out in the backyard, especially with all the rain, and play in the mud. And when he plays in the mud, I mean, it's not just like this. I mean, he's like diving in face first, you know. That's how he plays in the mud. So if he ever goes out that back door, you know that a bath is about to follow as soon as that playtime is over. And God, God is the God that cleans us completely. When we put him in that bathtub. We don't leave part of him dirty, right? You clean the entire child. God cleans the entire child. It's that redemption, that sweet spirit of the Savior that we see in this passage, that his heart hurt for them. His his heart hurt for them. And and mothers, you you hurt for your kids when they hurt, don't you? You hurt hurt for them. When they're they're going through tough times, you hurt for them. And I believe God fashions our hearts in such a way that we don't just hurt for the people around us, but we hurt for the lost in society. We hurt for those. This morning, I, I know you guys with this big presentation we had of our CAs. That's a whole bunch of godly women in our church. And there's men involved too, but it's Mother's Day. So I'm just going to talk about the women. You guys wait till the middle part of June. Okay. We'll talk about you then. You'll get your time. I'm trying to get the women to all make all the men in the church a pie individually. I think that would be a great idea, but we'll see. Amen. All right. <laughs> I was waiting for one of you to say yes. Yes. Surely, surely. But the but the, the very thought I think of every Wednesday night, there's these good, godly women who are leading kids, and they love these kids. That's a, that's, a, that's not something. I don't think we naturally love kids who come in here and are rambunctious and are just you know. What I mean, that's not a natural part. We we think well, the church is this holy place. You don't run. You don't do this. No, but these people are. They're teaching the kids how to worship. They're teaching the kids the gospel. They're teaching the kids what it means to know Jesus. That sweet spirit of the Savior goes through this place today. I pray that you feel welcomed here today. I I know that, you know, as Christians, we believe the word of God, that the word of God is inerrant. Every ounce of this scripture is useful. You got a lot of preachers today, they're going to take some parts out and say, well, that's, you know, I don't need that part. I don't need that part. Every ounce of scripture is useful today. Church, I pray that you feel welcome here. But I pray that you hear this word, and I pray that you see that Jesus and his love for mankind, he's here today. The, the man who has a godly woman in his life, they have a vivid example of Christ's love for mankind as well. In Isaiah 66, we, we read that, as one who his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. God, as he loves people, mothers, you're doing the same thing for your kids. And I believe that's a trickle-down effect from a good God that has loved you, now you're loving those around you. But what about this power? How many of us ever feel weak in our daily walk? You ever feel tired? As a parent of a 3-year-old, 17-year-old, and a 21-year-old, I'm very tired. I'm, I, Joni and I, we are parenting three different age groups at one time. <laughs> Fun there's some days I'm really tired spiritually speaking I think sometimes maybe we're tired too maybe on Wednesday nights if you're volunteering here and it's one of those weeks where not everybody's showing up that's a tiring time too you're like man we put all this work into it or you know David Payne loses his mind and so we have storms that night you know which by the way David Payne does not create these storms some people have a hate for David Payne and I'm like he's just a reporter he's just a meteorologist don't shoot the messenger just laugh at him though he is funny he gets really amped up. And I think sometimes that when we're thinking about the power of the Lord, we need that. How many of us need a work of God in our lives right now? First point I would look at coming out of verse 32 is that the power of our Lord is not constrained by our timeline. We all want God to move in our time. The sister here, when she's, she sees Jesus and it says she runs out, Martha runs out and she meets him. And she says, what? Lord, if you'd been here, you wouldn't have died. If you would have been here, you wouldn't have died. Now, we could really look at that and say, man, that's a terrible thing to say to Jesus as he's coming, you know? But I look at Martha's life and I, I see like faith. She knew Jesus could do what? Raise her brother from the dead. She knew that. She had faith in the power of her savior, her soon to be savior. She knew that that was a possibility, but she 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 misses the point that God moves when He wants to move. God moves when it's His time. You may be praying for something today. You may be praying for something that mighty to move in your life. You know, I'm seeing, and I think this is just, this kind of goes without saying. But when we pray for God to grow our ministries, right? It doesn't always happen overnight. Our CA group. And we started that back in October and we had like no kids coming on Wednesday night, you know, and we just started it. Didn't know what else to do. So we just started it. Youth program. I mean, you're, you're looking at all these different things. Yesterday, the men all got together and we had a breakfast together. It wasn't going on a few months ago. We really didn't know what to do, but I praise God for my brother Daniel for pushing that program to getting it going. I mean, we had 17 at our men's breakfast yesterday. That's just amazing. Powerful to see the work of God, and what we got to understand, we must understand this today, is that God's timeline is different than our timeline, and that that but catch this, his timeline is different than ours, but he's in control and he sees the big picture. So we have to come to a point where we trust Jesus. In this, we see not only just a cry of a disappointed follower, but we also see the faith of someone. She just needed to get her timeline synced in with. The timeline of jesus jesus knew all along he was going to raise lazarus don't you know that i believe from before lazarus was even born that jesus knew (laughs) in heaven i'm going to go to earth i'm going to be the savior to these people and along the way i'm going to see this man this baby this little whatever lazarus he's going to pass away but i'm going to raise him to life so that god may be glorified the travesties, the terrible things that you're going through right now in your life, understand God can be glorified through it. And I believe he will be. That at the end of time, but in particular, even right now, God will be glorified in the hard times that we're going through because he is that type of God. So we must be defined. Everybody catch this. We must be defined as a people who trusts in our Lord in all things with the realization that he sees the big picture. You know, we may be really spiritual. We may feel really good about ourselves, but we only see about this much of existence. If that, right? Probably more like this. But God sees the big picture, past, present, future. So we must trust in him and understand that (laughs) he's not constrained by our timeline. In fact, time's just something that exists because we needed something, I guess, to keep up with what time of day it is. I don't know. But God is above that. He's beyond this idea of time. And he's not constrained to it. He's that powerful. I want you you to think about a dog that's running free. A great lab dog. Everybody loves a lab, right? Imagine this lab just running across an open field. Just enjoying life. Just running. Imagine the same lab in a pen. With a collar. With a leash and he can't run. I want you to understand, our, our God, he is not constrained by anything. He's not, he's not some construct of our minds that's, that's limited in what he can do. God God is God. If anything, you and I are the ones that are limited because of sin. Everybody say amen to that. For the wages of sin is what? It's death. But the gift of God the one who is free, the one who is not constrained by anything, the gift of God for us today is eternal life. I love that. That's, that's the Jesus I see here. Even in this, this passage where this woman, he's coming, she's coming to him and she says, man, if you'd been here. And he's like, I'm sure he's sitting there thinking, man, I'm God. I'm in control of this. I've already got it worked out. You ever had somebody come up to you and they, and they they're kind of bugging you about something and you've already done it. And so you maybe you just kind of like, Hey, I've already done it. You know, take, take a chill pill. I've done it. You men didn't say amen to that. That's a good, that's a good thing right now. Okay. I always like to tell Joni, you know, I, when I, I need to fix something around the house, I don't need reminded every six months to fix it. Okay. Like I, I'm going to get it done. I promise you. But God's not constrained by a timeline. And so we look to Jesus as, as, that, that ultimate power, that ultimate one who can, who can set us free. And Jesus here, he, man, his heart must have rung so tight that when Jesus was with her and he was consoling her, he didn't jump on her. He was moved to tears and he wept. This is the heart of the Savior. And in his time, Lazarus was raised from the dead. I think it's funny because at the end of the story, you know, they're like, well, Jesus, you might not want to open that tomb because he's been in there for four days. And you know what a body smells like after four days. I've unfortunately, because of my fire service, I've I've experienced what it's like to smell someone who's been dead for four days. And it's not a smell you forget. But Jesus took a grave and out of that grave came life. I love that. And it wasn't something that was constrained to time. He he was able to do it because it was his will. And I love the big picture. I love big pictures. But the big picture here is what? When Jesus comes back, what's he going to do for the believers who have gone on before? He's going to raise them again. If Jesus can raise bodies from the dead, if Jesus can restore us, then whatever we're going through right now, it's just little stuff. Jesus can get us through that. So have faith today. Quit living in a box and saying, Jesus, you got to work in this time frame. Jesus, you gotta, you've got you got to answer this prayer right now, right now. No, Jesus Jesus has the ability. Jesus will be glorified in your life, so keep trusting. The second thing I would say out of verse 33 through 35 is that we see the power of our Lord is overflowing with his love. I, I've seen a lot of powerful people in my time. Back when I was a kid, we used to go over to uh, Del City to... Uh, First Southern over there, and we go to that church. And every year there was this group that came through, and they were called the Power Team. I don't know if you guys ever went to see the Power Team, but you know they're these big, bulky, hulky guys, you know. And they're they they've got these these water water bottles, and they're blowing them up. And I'm like, whoa, you know, that's amazing. And, and they're they're ripping telephone books in half, and they're running through blocks of ice. I don't know why you would want to do that. I don't know how they figured out that you could do that, but these guys were doing that. But along the way, they would talk about the power of Jesus. Power of Jesus isn't just something that blows our minds, but it's also something that gives us the love that we all need. Everyone in this planet needs affection. They need love. And we may try to find it from a lot of things. You may try to find it in drugs or other people, but the, the love of Jesus is the only thing that's going to satisfy that deep craving within your soul. It's Jesus. And I believe probably in, in some respect, Jesus hurt for these people. Yep. But he also, he wanted them to know and I believe some of them soon would find out that the, what he was going to do on the cross wasn't just an act. It wasn't just an execution, but it was actually an act of redemption, a deep love. And his power is not just a power that just makes us feel terrible, but his power over us is one that is filled with love. It's completely saturated with love. Verses 33 through 35 there, you see that, that very essential part of who Jesus is. It says that Jesus wept. In his power, could Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? Yeah. Could he have prevented Lazarus from dying anyways? Yeah, he could have done that, but it wasn't his time frame. And we know by the end of the chapter that he's saying, you know, Lord, this is happening so that you may be glorified and that they might believe that you sent me. Jesus wept. The the power that he has to raise people from the dead is amazing. But church, catch this. It is wrought in love. There's, There's so much love in the power of Jesus. When we go into the world today, when we see people who are, who are trapped in sin, people who have weird ideologies, you know, this past week or two, they've been talking a lot about Roe v. Wade, and I'm just like, as a, as a person who's been a, a lobbyist for this movement, it, it, it excites me to see that it may become illegal for abortions to take place in our nation. And I know some people, they got all these weird like ideas about this, but I want to tell you something. The love of Jesus doesn't stop with the skin of the womb. He loves those babies. And I believe the heart of the church ought to be, you know, if, we, if, we're, if we have any power to influence our society, it shouldn't be done as a, well, we're believers in Jesus and the Bible says this, so that's the way it's going to be. No, we ought to do it in, in, a, in an act of love. Hey, listen. We're not coming down on you. We're not. We're not here to make you feel less than anything. What we want you to understand is that God's will is not this. God's plan is that that we not kill babies. That's God's plan. I Not a lot in the church. They just want to go out here, and I, I've been in, I've been a victim of it as a pastor. Specific groups within our state that want to abolish abortion. And they come at pastors like myself because I didn't necessarily want to go the the route they were going. I don't I don't want to be the one that's going up to the capitol and bashing and and, and talking bad about people, making threats. That's what this group was doing. Now, we we go about it with love. A couple years ago when I was at the capitol, I went to I went in to pray with my state representative and he was as soon as I told him who I was, he was like, "Uh-oh." And I didn't understand why he kind of had this this look of fear and this look of, I don't want you in my office. Cause I mean, I'm like, I'm a constituent of you. I voted you in this place. Like you ought to be happy to see me. But throughout our conversation, I found out that there'd been Christians who had came into his office and told him that they were going to blow up his wife's car. Christians, the power of Jesus is so powerful. <laughs> we don't have to make, Accusations. We don't have to, to make promises like that. All we have to do is live in the power of Jesus and show the, the overflowing love of Christ. Romans 5.8 says, but God shows his love for us that while we were sinners, what? Christ died for us. The power of our Lord is overflowing with his love. The last thing I would say out of this whole passage here, there's, you could go a lot of directions, but the power of the Lord is redeeming. Lazarus is in the tomb. I don't. I don't know. You know, how many of you have like been around a dead body much? But it's it's just a little bit unsettling, isn't it? Um. When I when I first got into the fire service, they would they would uh, you know, have us go out on these calls and and I and I had a real. It was just like I'd never really been around a dead body except maybe at a funeral home or a funeral, right? But but here I am. I'm I'm going into these homes where people have passed away and I'm moving the body. Or someone's passed away and you're doing CPR. I mean, that kind of stuff. Like I, <laughs> you kind of get thrown into it really quick. But it's it's still, even with all my experience that I have with that, it's still unsettling to touch a dead body. It's just, it's just unsettling. Jesus here, we, we see where he takes a hard situation and he redeems it. An unsettling situation. And he redeems it. They warn him, don't open that door. It's gonna stink, Jesus. So don't, don't open that door. We don't we don't want to smell that either. Leave, leave that door closed. Leave, leave that rock over the, the entrance. We don't want to go over there and, and do this. But it, it says that Jesus goes over to the stone and he and with his commanding voice, he tells someone, I imagine it's some of his disciples, he says, What? Roll the stone away. Jesus was not intimidated by anything that had happened. He wasn't intimidated by death. He wasn't intimidated by by the the things that were going on before him. He just says, you know what? I have a commanding voice in all of this. And it's not just a commanding voice, but it's a redeeming voice. And he tells those disciples or whoever it was, roll that stone away. And then it says that his eyes, I love this. It, it, It makes a point for some reason. It says that Jesus lifting his eyes said what? Lazarus, come forth. There's there's a there's a moment there where was it prayer was it was it kind of like all right folks watch this and he opens his eyes and he looks and he says that and out of that tomb comes a mummy <laughs> I like this because, you know, it's just, this is really just kind of cool to think. I mean, he didn't come out like, woohoo, look at me. I mean, here you've got a guy who was dead, who was rotting in a tomb and Jesus in his love that is, that is able to show us so much strength. A, a savior who has, who has a power that's not constrained by timelines, but this power of our Lord is redeeming this dead body, this rotting and decayed body comes out of the tomb. It says, still wrapped up, right? (laughs) I guess, I don't know. I don't know if they wrap their feet together. But he comes out of the tomb, all wrapped up. And Jesus says, King James Version, loose him and let him go. The love of Jesus is so much bigger. I don't want y'all to think that the love of Jesus is just something where, well, you know, thanks thanks be to God, I can walk around and say how high and holy I am. I'm a Baptist. That's not what the point of the love of Jesus is. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, non-Christians seem to think that the incarnation of Jesus implies some particular merit or excellency in humans. I want you to understand this. Jesus came and died for you and I because that was the only hope. And we didn't even deserve it he goes on he says but of course it implies just the reverse a particular demerit and depravity now check this out i love this part of the quote no creature that deserved redemption would need to be redeemed you what the lord has done for you it's not because you deserved it we live in a day and age where everybody's like well i want my rights i deserve this The truth of the matter is, when it comes to our spirituality, when it comes to the sin that's in our lives, none of us even deserve to be redeemed. We didn't deserve it to begin with. That's, That's this whole idea of what unmerited favor means. It's like we didn't even deserve this. And the love of Jesus is not here just to lord over us. And some people have this idea that's what Christianity is. You got this God who's just smacking you on the head and telling you can't do this and you have to do this. Here's what I want you to understand. The love of Jesus is such that it redeems us. It's our only hope in this world. We must be redeemed. And the only way we can be redeemed today is through the blood of Jesus. That's sense. Lewis goes on, he says, they that are whole need not a physician. Christ died for men precisely. Because men are not worth dying for. (laughs) Doesn't make sense, does it? Why would Jesus die for us if we weren't even worth it? I mean, he has to do all the work, but he does it to make them worth it. Jesus didn't just come to the cross to die for you so that, you know what? You could come to church and get all gussied up today. Put Put your tie on. Smell good. Impress everyone around you that you were at church today. The reason that Jesus died on the cross for you, it's not because you were were deserving of it. He does it because he loves you. He loves you. Church, do you understand that the power of Jesus is not just something that's out there just to be a power, but his power is full of love. His power is redeeming. His power redeems us. I stand here today not as a man who can brag about anything I've done, you know, I've got, I've got studies under my belt. I've done this kind of ministry for a long time. I've got to do a lot of different things in my life. I've got to preach on other, you know, other countries. I've done, I've done this kind of work. Like I can just brag about it because God, God is good, right? I can brag about it not because of me. I brag about it because God is good. God allows that. I get to be the pastor at FBC McLeod, not because I'm good enough, but because God is. It's God who, who is the redeemer here. It's God who redeemed you, pastor. It's God who's redeemed you. And today we we should glory in that. That the same power that that raised Lazarus from the the grave, you know what? Jesus can raise us from our stinky grave clothes. Jesus can make it to where we're walking again, that we're breathing again, that we're doing something good again. Church, I believe God is raising us up as a church, not to be a dead Lazarus tomb church, but he's raising us up to be alive again. Are you excited about that? There ought to be just a little bit of like, yeah, man, God's doing something good here. These weren't just kids getting vests up here today. These were kids who have the gospel in their heart now. And that's something they'll carry forever. That's that's huge. It's not just a kid's program. We don't do it just so we can pass out Kool-Aid and cookies once a week or have pizza parties. We do it because we want these kids, when they grow up, we want them to continue to preach the gospel. And it's a love that comes from Jesus. It's a love that's powerful, that's redeeming, that's overflowing with love. It's a love that's, that's beyond anything we can imagine. It's beyond our box. It's beyond our pale. It's not in our narrative. So church, here's what I ask. That today, as you look at this story, don't just see an amazing resurrection story. Which by the way, Lazarus ends up dying, doesn't he? <laughs> He's not still walking around somewhere today. He actually died. But the resurrection of Jesus gave Lazarus eternal life. The resurrection of Jesus gives the believer today eternal life. I, I want to ask you a couple questions. Have you trusted in the Lord? I want you just to answer that yourself right here like so we're, we're gonna do the whole Sunday morning thing where we sing a song and you know these altars are open and you can come forward but I want to ask you the question right now in this place have you actually trusted Jesus as your Lord do you trust in his power Because we're not saved by the works of our hands we're saved by the work of a good creator God that's, that's how we're saved We're not saved by Our thoughts and our deeds and our talents were saved because Jesus went to the cross and shed his blood. Today, do you believe in that power, that that wonder-working power in the blood of the lamb? Do you believe in that? There's probably three different groups here today, maybe two. We'll say two. Some of you have never believed Jesus. You never trusted him. You never ask him to be the Savior of your life. You've never been saved. And I'm saying that right now. And if that is you, you're like, yep, that's me. I know that. Have you trusted Jesus into salvation? I want you to throw everything to the side. Quit saying, well, I can't be saved because I've done too many bad things. I can't be saved because I'm trying to intellectualize it. Here's the thing. Faith comes by what? By hearing the word of God. It's a day you've heard who the life, who the way, who the truth is, it's Jesus today if you need christ the bible teaches us that we've all fallen short me too we've all sinned but the gift of god is eternal life and if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that jesus is lord we will be saved today god's calling you are you hearing that call maybe maybe you've never trusted jesus into believers baptism maybe you're, you're you're a believer and you've come to church and you've been saved but you've never been baptized Jesus told us to go out and to make disciples, but he also said to baptize them too. Have you been obedient to Jesus? Have you trusted his power to be baptized? Maybe today you need to come forward and say, you know what, brother? I've never been baptized. I need to be baptized. I want to take that, that step of being obedient to Jesus. How about this? Have you trusted Jesus and his power in your relationships? Have you trusted him in your, in your finances, if you trusted him and maybe in a call that God's got in your life today. Here's the thing I want you to understand. And I, I pray that you're just leaving here today saying, man, that was, that was good because I, I'm reminded of the power of Jesus that it's not just something that just lords over us, but it's a power that redeems us. Church today, if we've been redeemed, let us say amen. If you have not been redeemed today, I want you to understand you can be. As you stand this morning, We give thanks to our mothers for being godly mothers. We give thanks to women in our life who follow hard after Jesus. But man, we give thanks to God overall because he's the one that redeems us. He's the one that makes it possible for us to do anything good at all, right? He he makes it possible for us to bring him glory. Father, we love you. God, I pray that you would call people today to do repentance. It's not something a pastor does. It's something your Holy Spirit does right now in this place. But I pray that you would call people to know you today, that today they would profess you as their Savior and their Lord right now in this place. God, I also pray for those who may have just not been obedient. They're just not very obedient to you. Maybe they need to follow a baptism. Maybe they need to answer a call to ministry. Maybe, maybe they just need to say, Lord, enough is enough. I'm going to quit running from you today. Lord, I pray that you would call them to make that decision. Lord, would you empower us as the church to go forth, not as dead men wrapped in dead men's clothes? <laughs> Lord, may we walk from this place loosed and let go, because you are a God of freedom, you are a God of redemption.